Tim, hold on a second. Hallelujah. Why don't you just take that from the top? Just sing that opening stanza for me. Hallelujah. So you enter into this building. Brought your burdens. How many of you brought burdens? You brought your pain. How many of you are dealing with some pain right now? But I have a message. He's getting ready to tell you something. For you today. That when you leave here, you won't be the same. Hold it right there. He just gave a prophetic utterance unto you today. He's not just singing the words to the song, but he's speaking in the power of the one that is, the one that was, and the one that is to come. The Lord God Almighty, the maker and sustainer of heaven and earth. He's making a prophetic utterance over your life. That everything you're dealing with right here, right now, in this very moment, in this part of our time can change in an instance. I don't think they understand what you're saying. Why don't you take it from the top? Just take it from the top. Go ahead and minister to them one more time, Tim. So you enter into this building. You brought your burdens. You brought your pain, but I have a message for you today, that when you leave here, you won't be the same. Hold it right there. If you believe in the power of God, if you believe in the word of God. You ought to be celebrating the release of prophetic prosperity in your life right now. We're so busy listening that we're not hearing what thus saith the Lord. God is recognizing that you brought some stuff into the building. He's recognizing that your temple is filled with burdens and pain. But if you but believe, everything you brought into the building is going to change. And you will not leave here the same. If you believe that prophecy over your life, you ought to just begin to celebrate God right here and right now. I'm not listening anymore, but I'm hearing what you are saying. I'm hearing what you are saying. And I receive it by faith that everything I brought here, I can leave at the altar. 
so that when I leave, I don't leave here the same. If you've got something, if you brought something, I dare you to run up here and deposit it at the altar and let God deal with your crisis the only way that you will be successful. Let him have it, Tim. Let him have it. understand what I'm saying because you came to the altar but you stayed you stayed at the altar where your problem just got deposited I said come make a deposit and leave receiving the change receiving your healing receiving your deliverance the enemy is fighting you but you ought to just open your mouth right now and say I have received I have received I have received I have received what you are declaring into the atmosphere is that it's already done you're not waiting for something to happen but you have acknowledged it has already happened God, let's celebrate God. Let's celebrate Him. Celebrate Him. to us we have to get to a place where we understand that praise and worship is a ministry so that when they are singing they are in fact ministering God's grace to you you have to understand that the songs that are chosen are not chosen simply because they sound good or because they titillate our senses 
but they are chosen spiritually directed to minister in your right now crisis so that you can be ministered to from the beginning of the service to the end of the service. God's desire is to meet you at the point of your need. We have to understand that praise and worship is not a time of entertainment. It's not a time where we come to watch and see. It's a time where we begin to hear what God is saying. He's moving us. He's enriching us. He's elevating us. He's bringing clarity and understanding, direction and peace. He's telling you something about himself that it is vital for you to hear. We have to move beyond listening and begin hearing what God is saying. Because your success rests in hearing the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. The praise team will tell you that we don't just sing anything. Matter of fact, there are songs I've said we can't sing. Because they're not saying anything. We as the people of God have to be about our father's business. When Jesus disappeared for a moment from his mother and father, and they went looking for him, and when they found him in the house of God, and they began to ask him why he would do such a thing as disappear, he said, do you not know that I would be in my father's house? Because he understood that he had to at all times be about his father's business. He was in the house and the elders in the house were amazed at the speaking of this young Jesus. That tells me that not every house is speaking the things of God. But this house. From opening prayer to closing prayer, we are about our Father's business. I encourage all the members of GMFC, those of you that have made a choice to remain home today, to choose different. I encourage every member. Grace and Mercy Fellowship Center, no matter where you are, it's time to come home. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. It's time to come out of your cocoon, your place of believed safety, and come into the house of God. The enemy has taken advantage of our situation. And while the church believes that it's moving in wisdom in the coming back together, we're also walking by faith that God has got us. 
in wisdom, we put things into practice and into place for the welfare of the body, the natural body. But it is not those things that we depend on for our health. What we depend on is the power of God. It's walking in the understanding that the health of Christ was transferred to us even as the righteousness of Christ was transferred to us. That we are walking in righteousness and walking in perfect health. We are believing that when we are moving about doing the things of the Lord, God has got us. And when our work is done, that is when we shall leave. For to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. For the believer, then, it should not matter. So I encourage, I would call, I'd start calling you all out by name, but then you'd be mad at me. But you know who you are. You're the ones that are looking at us on your devices, televisions, whatever, rather than looking at us in flesh and blood. Again, I say unto you, walk in faith and return to the house of God. Let us come together and worship together, one with another, fellowship together. It's time to put away this pandemic. Even the world is gathering together. But somehow the church is trying to be super safe. And we're the only sect in the population that really has confidence in our safety because our safety is in Jesus. And he cannot fail. So as your pastor, as your brother in Christ, I encourage you, I implore you, stop staying home. Come back to the house of God. One day, come out of your house and fellowship with your brothers and sisters. For those of you that have come, I thank you. I salute you. I praise God for you for standing in faith with us. Now, people that are at home, don't get mad and say, oh, I said you didn't have faith. That's not what I said. I'm simply telling you what God has laid on my heart. It's time to come to the house of God and stop staying at home. Hallelujah. We salute Charlene Johnson, Elder, Elder Charlene Johnson, Elder William Johnson, as they are dealing with the tragic loss of her brother, our brother in Christ, a member of this ministry, Brother Randy Harris, who just passed a couple of days ago, knowing that the confession of his faith was that he believed in God, accepted the Lord as his Savior. Our knowledge then is that he is resting from his labor now in the bosom of Abraham. He is seated with those that have gone on before us, celebrating life. But those of us who are left here to mourn, to grieve his leaving us, 
our prayer of comfort and support are with you. While we are excited that he is now home, we are saddened at his departure. But know that you're not going through this alone. You have brothers and sisters that are here with you and to support you in any way that we can. Our sister church, New Jerusalem Christian Center in Ironton, Ohio, is having their first service back together without Bishop Kenneth Lyseth at the helm. Our prayers are going out to them for peace and for a fiery good time. But I know the love that they had for their pastor, and it can be difficult to go back to the police for the first time. Where things were in your mind a certain way. And for them not to be that way anymore can sometimes be overwhelming. We are praying that God minister to them, to each of them would touch Bishop Glover, use him as he is standing in as the interim pastor to minister for the body of New Jerusalem to understand that Bishop Glover is not Bishop Kenneth Lysus, and for them to receive Bishop Glover as himself. Because the Bible tells us that the works of a man follow him. So in no way can Bishop Glover be Bishop Lyseth. Because the works of Bishop Lyseth have followed him on into glory. But we are praying and believing and standing with them as they are continuing to grieve the loss of a pastor, of a bishop, of an apostle, of a friend, of a brother, of a father, an uncle, a grandfather. So many things, so many titles that he carried. We are believing that God is ministering to them now. That they are over, able to overcome the emotions in the flesh and just celebrate God. Even as Bishop Lyseth had taught them. It is good to see each of you, see Mother Jordan in the house. God bless you. We are thankful to God for Sister Donna coming through surgery just fine and in the house of God. Hallelujah. We thank the Lord for that. We were praying that God would do what God does, and he did what he does. So we're thankful. Hallelujah. We're excited that the next chapter in the Marshall family is opening. We're thankful to the Lord of the favor that he has shown them to move them into a place where they can patiently wait for the next of God. This is not their final destination, but it is a destination for where they can rest in comfort and prepare for their next to be fulfilled by God.
And we're thankful to God that he heard us and he responded. He moved upon the flesh. He touched the hearts and minds of those who make decisions so that the decisions made were in the favor of his children. He didn't have to do it, but he did. So we're thankful. We're thankful to God. I don't plan to be before you long today. I just want to continue with the series that we're working on, Who is Man? The idea is to get us to a place of understanding of who we are so that we can better understand not only who God is to us, but who we are to him. We might begin to understand that the relationship that we have with God is not just what God can do for us, but what God expects us to do for him. When I say expects for us to do for him, it's not in tasks or deeds, dotting the I, crossing the T, but it's more an understanding of our right relational standing with God. Understand that this relationship is a two-way relationship. It is not just God to man, but it is man back to God. I left off with talking about the image of God, which is the power of immortality and the drive and the ability to worship and to live with God. It was marred in the garden when Adam fell. Uh, But there's something that is so wonderful to know, and it helps to solidify the foundation for the answer to man's purpose in our relationship with God. There is something that is important for us to understand about uh, our purpose. I believe that many of you here have come to a point in time in your life where you have begun to question your purpose. Why am I here? What is it that I am expected to do? Why do I even exist? I believe that when we have a a better grasp of our understanding in our relational standing with God, it will begin to reveal your very purpose. We have to first understand that the, the bond between God and man was broken in the garden. Man was created in the garden from the elements of the earth. He was joined together to become a body that did not exhibit life until God breathed the breath of life or put his spirit in man. Man became a living soul at that time and began to walk with God, talk with God. Man was educated, yet he attended no school. He was strong, yet he attended no gym. He just was because God determined him to be. But in the fall of man, man was injured. The image of God that was on man was injured. We ceased to look like God and we reflected sin. But the wonderful news is is that the image of God can be renewed in the life 
of mankind. The very image of God can be renewed not in our destiny, but in our right now. You see, we have to understand that because God is a God of now, he's not a God of the past, he's not a God of the present, he's not a God of the future, because God is not bound by time, we have to understand then to stop thinking in the sense of linear time when dealing with God. We have to understand that because God is now, then the renewing of the image of God in the life of man is not something that is to come, but it is something that is right now. You see, there is no future in God. It's hard to fathom, it's hard to think about, but in God there is no future, there is no past, there just is. That's why God can stand in your past and in your future and in your present all at the same time because none of it exists outside the realm of who and what he is. And the wonderful news about that is that then what God is doing is not something that's going to happen tomorrow in the sense of the future, but it is something that is occurring right now so then the image that was destroyed in the garden can be restored or renewed within man when right now we act though as if this the renewing of the image of God upon man which you got to remember the image of God is really a generalized statement which reflects more than just us looking like God you got to remember, when God created Adam and Adam uh, came to be and breathed and, and, and lived and, and walked in the earth, you have to understand something. God, was not, God did not create, create Adam as a baby who had to learn things. God created Adam as a man who understood who he was. He understood his authority. He understood his anointing. He understood his power. Adam had intellect. He had wisdom. He had understanding. In the moment, in the inception of his creation, from the moment he took his first breath, Adam was everything that Adam needed to be. He did not have to learn these things. He did not have to become these things. He instantly was these things. When we look at the interaction between God and man, if Adam had to learn language, he would not have been able to converse with God. If Adam lacked understanding or knowledge, he would not, even if he could converse, understand what God was saying. We have to understand then that in the creation of Adam, if it's the intention of God to restore us to the image of him, that that image is not just in our likeness in the sense that I look like my physical earthly father. That my sons look like me and their mother. 
It's, it, it's more than just a physical representation or some type of physical aspect alone. But there is a connection between the image of God in man and the fullness of man. The everything of man. The, the, the what makes man, man. Because God is all-knowing, then the image of the all-knowing God becomes manifest in man. So man has intellect to know some stuff. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, you know more than you think you do. You see, a lot of us, because we, we, we look at, we look at, uh, the restoration process of returning to who we are or who we are supposed to be in Christ as something that is only going to come after this mortal puts on immortality and this corruptible puts on incorruption. We limit then the full working of the renewing power of God in us. We block ourselves from understanding that when the image of God is restored, what it is the image actually means. That means that knowledge is restored. Wisdom is restored. I know we don't always act like we're wise. I, don't, I know we don't always act like we got sense. But if we look at the word of God, we'll find that the plan of redemption is to restore man to what? The image of God. Now we're struggling in our flesh and we're dealing with our flesh, which mars our ability to be able to fully comprehend everything that God is trying to do, which is the purpose for this lesson. For us to understand who we are in God, we have to understand that the renewing of the image of God is not something that takes place in our future, but it is something that takes place instantly in our now. If you look at the word of God, you'll find that man can be born again. What does this mean? Made spiritually alive to God because in our fall we became spiritually dead. And just as spiritually alive as man was before the fall, man can be right now. You have to understand, we, we, we are so destiny focused that we are not paying attention to what's going on in our present. John 3 and 3, and John 3 and 5 says this, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot see or comprehend or understand the things of God unless you are restored to the image of God because only then is knowledge and understanding restored to you. You cannot think like God when you don't look like God. You cannot express life like God when you don't have God. 
You have to understand what God is trying to say here. Except a man be born again or restored to his previous state of being. There are two states of being for mankind. There is the uh, pre-fall state and there's the post-fall state of man. Many of us are living still in the post-fall state of being even though mentally we have uh, gone into a thinking pre-state. But we have not fully encompassed what God is doing in the plan of redemption, which is why we're straddling two states of being. We're straddling two states of being because in our pre-state of being, in, in, in the pre-fall state of being, there were things that we understood and knew about God that would prevent us from doing some of the things that we do now. There was no thought to do evil in the pre-state of being. Yet we constantly struggle with that now it goes on to say jesus answered verily verily i say unto thee except a man be born of water and of the spirit watch this he cannot enter into the kingdom of god he cannot enter into the kingdom of god he cannot be restored he cannot dwell where God is. You cannot dwell where God is if you are not born again. What is being born again? Being born again is being renewed in the image of God because only that which is like God can be around God. We, we, we struggle with things in our life because many of us are sniffing around the throne, but we're not taking residence in the throne. Peter says it like this in 1 Peter 1 and 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, in other words, not of natural things, but of incorruptible, those are the things of God, because the things of man will always fail, but the things of God will live forever by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. The, the restoration of that which cannot die, which is the word of God. With the word of God is the final say of all things. So then if I am restored in the image of God, when I speak a thing, then that thing becomes the word of God in the crisis whereto I have sent it. And the Bible tells me that wherever I send my word, it shall not return to me void because my word doesn't go out empty. My word doesn't go out powerless. My word doesn't go out without authority, but because my word that goes out of me is coming from the image of God or the knowledge of God or the authority of God or the power of God. When I speak, stuff happens. Why? Because I am born again, not of corruptible things, but of incorruptible things. First uh, John 5 and 1 says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is 
the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. You see, these are all pointing to the plan of redemption or the process of being put back in right standing with God. But why? Why even bother to do this? Is God looking for something from man? Or make it more personal, is God looking for something from you? Specific to you and you alone? Is God trying to talk to you about anything? Trying to elevate your understanding to see something unique between him and you? I, I, I directed that at my wife because I know she'll look it back at me with eyes of love where I'm not so sure about some of y'all. Sometimes I just need a boost, so I look over at my wife because she gives me that boost. Hallelujah. But it comes down to the question, does God want something from you? He's God. He's the Almighty. He's the maker and sustainer of heaven and earth. He's the creator of all things, seen and unseen, known and unknown, visible and invisible. He is God, and he is God all by himself. Nothing exists without him, and without him, nothing could exist. There was nothing before him. There shall be nothing after him. He is that which encompasses all things. As a matter of fact, when you look at science, you'll find that science has just now realized that what they thought was the expanse of the universe, they have found things now that are even older in the sense of time than what they first expected. The things known and unknown are all God, but God is all of that and then so much more, yet there's something in the course of creation that was made different than everything else that was made. As a matter of fact, my wife was telling me that she was on Facebook or the news or the signal a repeating signal. There's an article that they, they have discovered a repeating signal that's being projected towards the earth. They don't really understand exactly what it is yet, except that it is a, re a repeating signal which indicates some form of intelligence behind it. They haven't figured out what it is yet. They don't know if it's the Vulcans or the Romulans or the Klingons. They haven't figured it out yet. But somebody is trying to talk to us. And the wonderful thing is that in the course of all these things, there's something unique and special about man. There's something that God did with man that he did with nothing else. 
Do you know that you know more than the angels in heaven? Because you are the expressed image of God. You're the expression of God's knowledge. And God knows all things. If you're the expression then of all knowing, then you know more than everything else. Now, medical science will tell you that man only uses a certain percentage, a very small percentage of, its, of his brain. The brain was marred by sin. It robbed us of being able to fully live out what God created us to be. But God did something special. God gave us the ability, not tomorrow, but right now, to be renewed into all things. Watch this. He starts with that part of man that was corrupted. He deals with that first. And we refer to this as the nature of man. There is the carnal nature and the divine nature. Well, man was created because God is holy. Man was created holy. Man had a holy or divine nature. The nature of a thing determines the behavior of a thing determines the thinking of a thing, determines the actions of a thing, determines the belief system of a thing. It all goes back to the nature of that thing. They'll tell you that you can uh, train, you know, lions and tigers in the circus to do things, but you'll find throughout the course of history that all these trainers that have done this, there's always been... Those lions and tigers that decided they weren't going to do what their trainers told them to do, and they lashed out. Why? Because their training was against their nature. And you can only keep the nature of a thing bound up for a short amount of time. This is why it, be, it became very important for God to deal first with the nature of man because God understood that if the nature of man was not dealt with, this is the stuff that goes on on the inside of us. See, we, we're so worried about what we look like on the outside uh, that, that we forget about on the inside because we just cover up all the inside stuff. And because it's all covered up, it becomes even more difficult to deal with. You can't change until you remove the stuff that's burying it. We keep putting more stuff on ourselves to hide ourselves when God says, I need you naked before me. So God starts at the root when he's trying to restore man to who we fully are in him. So man deals with the nature of man. Man has the ability to partake of God's divine nature, which in the Bible is referred to as putting on the new man. 
Ephesians 4 and 24, and that ye put on the new man, watch this, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Well, we know that God is righteous. God is holy. So the putting on of the new man is the uh, dealing with the nature of man so that man can then begin to reflect who we are supposed to be as the image of all that God is. It goes beyond a physical look, but an entirety look, so that when you look at us from our innermost to our outermost, from our rooter to our tutor, we look like God. He goes on to say in Colossians 3 and 10, and have put on the new man, watch this, which is renewed in knowledge, so that, that tells me that knowledge was lost. So at the fall of man, man got stupid. If you don't want to remain stupid, you need to put on the new man because the Bible says it is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. There's a phrase, stupid is as stupid does. Some of us do stupid things because we're not functioning in the renewed knowledge of the image of God upon our lives. We think contrary to the word of truth. We speak contrary to the word of truth. We act like in prayer when we're asking God for something that we're actually begging and hoping that God is having a good day as if God is like some of our parents or friends that we ask for stuff. You got to catch them on the right day. Most of us growing up as kids, we, we figured out when payday was. Because you didn't ask for money a week or so after payday because you were going to be told, I ain't got no money. But when they get the check, you think you got a whole bunch of money until you start paying bills. So we figured the timing out as kids, and we would ask our parents on payday right when they got the check for something because they were happy that they, they got that check. They saw whatever those zeros were. You are more likely to get what you wanted then because you caught them at the right time, at the right place. Some of us that were spiritual, we would try to be spiritual in our thinking, there is a time and a season for all things. The season to ask for money wasn't when the bills were paid, it was before they paid the bills. Second Peter 1 and 4 says it like this, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. You see, you have to understand that the promises of God are connected to the divine nature of God. So the fulfillment or the manifestation of those promises working in your life 
only occur after you have put on the new man or become the nature of the image of God. In other words, you begin to think according to your nature. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Not I hope I can. We're not the little engine that could. See, that, that sounds good as you're scooting up the hill. Sounds wise, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. No, I don't think I can do anything. I know. Because God can do all things. And if I'm the expressed image of his ability to do all things, then all things can be done through me. Because I'm the expression. What is an image? An image is an expression of something else. I am then the expression, not of me, not of my ability, not of my wisdom, not of my knowledge, not of my power, not of my authority, but I am the expression of God. God's wisdom, God's knowledge, God's power, God's authority. And because I express those things, I am always successful. When I begin to express that which is not God, then I enjoy the failure that comes from temporal things. When I begin to express my emotions, I typically get in trouble. When I begin to express my knowledge, I typically come up short. When I express my strength, I typically come up short. When I begin to express my thought process, I typically come up short. Why? Because that nature is failed. It's a corrupted nature. Let me speak to you in, in computer terminology. A corrupted drive cannot produce all of its information or its data because the structure of the data is corrupted. It makes the data unaccessible. To make the data accessible, you have to rebuild the structure because anything that is corrupted cannot perform to its fullest ability. Many of us are dealing with corruption in our spirit, which is preventing us from fully expressing who we are in God. We can be renewed. We can be regenerated or recreated in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, watch this, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. 
old things are passed away. The old things are based upon the old nature. When you are made new in God, the old image that was marred is removed and the new image is applied. So then the things of you can reflect who you are supposed to be in God. But many of us, even reading this, we keep applying them to corruptible things, which brings us to a corruptible ending. We have to begin to think differently. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So he made him to become the nature of man so that man could become the nature of God. He made him to become. See, it's so vitally important for the success of your spiritual journey for you to understand or comprehend that your sin is not just forgiven. Your sin's not forgiven. See, the idea uh, behind something being forgiven only is that it still actually exists. It's just not being held against you. Okay, so uh, I have ought with you. I'm just not going to charge you with it. I'm not going to hold it against you any longer because I forgave you of it. But, oh, don't think it ain't in my mind. When I look at you, I think about that very thing. And, yeah, I'm not upset anymore, but, yeah, it's still there. And when I deal with you, I deal with that as part of the knowledge of who you are. But the wonderful thing about God is God didn't just forgive us. He became sin. For us. So I'm not just forgiven. I have been changed. You see, he became, he changed and became sin. This is why God had to turn away from him. Why? So that we could become righteous. Well, what is righteousness? Well, Earlier, I said to you that righteousness is God. It is a reflection of the image of God. So God is saying that I became what you were so that you can become what I am. The whole idea behind the plan of redemption is not just to cover. You see, that was the problem with the nation of Israel and the whole plan of animal sacrifice. It was just a covering over something that still existed. It's like me cleaning up. The carpet, the closet. No one will notice that big bump. It's supposed to be there. No. What does God say? What does the Bible say? What does the word of God say? The word of God says is I will remove your sin and place it as far as the east is from the west. Not the east coast to the west coast, though that's a pretty good distance. But I can traverse it in a few days. He said, I'm going to place it as far as the east is from the west. So in the mind of God, you got to think like God. He's not talking about limited uh, linear places he's talking about creation and as we see creation is still creating so every day your sin is being pushed farther 
and farther away. He didn't just cover it, he removed it. It was a tumor, it was a cancer, and he cut it out of you. Threw it away. And then he placed righteousness there. So that you could then express the righteousness of God. Because that is who you are. The problem is, is that the enemy comes along and causes you to begin to think or reflect upon your own weaknesses, proclivities to fail. He deceives you into thinking that that is just who you are. That you cannot help yourself. That's just who you are. I can't live without this thing, this person, this behavior, because it's just who I am. That's what the enemy wants you to believe. But if we look at the word of God, we find then that who we were is not who we are. The R of us is the I am of him. And here's a wonderful thing. It's not based upon the righteous works that we do. Titus 3 and 5 says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us, watch this, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Now I'm going to say something that's going to frustrate some people. Every regenerated believer is filled with the Holy Ghost. You have to understand something. Absent the nature of God in you, you cannot reflect the nature of God. So God places his nature in you. Well, what does that mean? He puts in you the Holy Ghost. What did Jesus say about the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost was here to teach you, to encourage you, to comfort you, to direct you to the word of God. We are so caught on the outward expression of the indwelling of the Holy Ghost that many of us have begun to believe that because maybe I have not expressed outwardly something that is existing on the inside of me, then the thing that is really on the inside of me must not truly be there. How many of you have wanted to cuss somebody out? but you did not express outwardly what was inwardly present. But it does not deny the inward presence of all those words you facilitated in your mind as you mind-bombed somebody. It was there. It was present. Even though you did not utter it so that everybody else could know it was there. You kept it on the down low. 
I'm here to tell you, you can't even acknowledge who God is without the presence of God in you to do it. You lack the ability to connect with God without God dwelling in you. Man without God is dead. Man was created and formed, but no life existed until God breathed into man the breath of life. Then man became a living. You cannot live without God. You are in a dead state if God is not present. The regeneration causes life to come back into you, which is the rebreathing of God's spirit into your life. You got the Holy Ghost. 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 I don't care if you ever pick him aside, come tie my bow tie ever again. The carnal nature of man cannot understand or fathom the things of God without God's presence. You have the ability. I'm almost done today. You have the ability to partake of God's divine nature. And because you're partaking of the divine nature of God, you are going to live forever. But your existence in forever is in a place where God is because you are already created to live forever. You are already created to live Forever. The physical body shall not live forever. It's corruptible. It's going to return to the earth. But that which is you will live forever. It would have always lived forever. The physical body needed help, which was the reason for the tree of life. Whereby are given unto us exceeding and great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. The divine nature. The first step in understanding who we are, understanding our purpose, is understanding there has been a nature change. Many of us struggle with our purpose because we have not understood the change in our nature. We still engage life through our carnal state of being rather than through our divine state of being. We engage all of life through our carnal state of being, our carnal way of thinking, our thinking which is born of fear, our thinking which is born of limitation, our thinking which is born of weakness is how we engage life when God says, I have made you greater than all these things because I, God, am greater than all these things. Sickness then 
has no place to reign in our mortal body because the life of God dwells in us and our thinking motivates our divine existence in our natural state of being. Medically proven. You've looked at people, you've seen people who are, as they call it, fighting for life. Or you'll hear doctors say, we've done all we can do, it's up to them. If they want to live, they can. Or if they don't, they shall go on. Reminds me of a phrase Bishop Wilson told me once. He says, I'm going to live as long as I can and die when I can't help it. So the moment that you cease the desire to be here is the moment that you're susceptible to depart. But if you desire to live until your work is done, God will extend your days. That's why I'm not worried about sickness and disease. I'm not saying I won't get sick or have to deal with disease, but if sickness or disease come because I am regenerated in the divine nature of God, I have to but speak what God's word has determined and declared from the foundation of all things that I am well and in good health, prospering in my body, even as my soul is prospering in God. The connection of my physical existence is dependent upon the connection of my divine nature, which is the express image of God, which is life. Let me close with this. Genesis 1 and 26, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. You see, by these words, God is showing that man is the crowning glory of all creation. Man then becomes the being in the course of creation that embraces all the dignity and nobility of God's mind and being. Man becomes the thing, the being, the creation that is towered above all else. The being that is purposed to master and control all the creation of God using God phenomenal powers to accomplish what God set man to accomplish. God ingrained in you the ability to function in nobility. And you, you, you understand, nobles, they're not like everybody else. They're not like everybody else. Nobles can do things that other folk can't do. Oh, but God made you noble. Amy, God made you noble. You are noble, you are dignified, and you are signified in God. That's who you are. Regardless of what your carnal nature may want you to believe about yourself, because of your faith in God, God said, I have removed 
and replaced your nature with my nature. So you are as I am. I am highly esteemed. I am bright and light. I am glory and love. I am all that is good in life itself. Every once in a while, you got to remind yourself, I am what God has determined me to be. And because I am what God has determined me to be, I cannot be then what my mind tells me that I am. I may have to deal with stuff, but that's not who I am. Because God holds me dear to his heart. God planned and created man with a very special care. We were created by design. Man is the crowning summit. He is the climax of everything God has done. Genesis 1 and 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. There are three reasons why God create, God's creation of man is being re-emphasized a second time in 1 and 27 after he just said it in Genesis 1 and 26. God, you understand, Moses may have stuttered, but God doesn't have a stuttering problem. God, God wasn't like stutter writing. When he said it again, he said it again because there's something that you need to understand. Something that's when you repeat something is because that thing is very important. Even if we hate to repeat things, some things because of their importance need to be repeated. There are three reasons why. I'll try to get through these really quick and let you out of here. There is a need to stress that God and God alone created man. Human life did not just happen. The basic substance of human life did not just come out of nothing. The cells of man, the DNA of man, the, the atoms and the molecules, the, the basic elements of human life, whatever these things may be, even if we learn and discover more elements that, uh, uh, that are the substance or that make up the sus substance of physical life, whatever the raw matter, whatever the, the energy of life is, that basic substance itself, the foundation of life, uh, did not just begin to form and mold itself. You did not happen just because a man and woman came together or a sperm and an egg came together. So I'm covering all forms now. That didn't just happen. But human life was specifically created by God. That means that I didn't come to be by chance. I wasn't a random thing. 
I'm not some impersonal force or energy that was brought together in uh, the basic course of life to form what you see standing here. Human life was created by God and God alone. That means that each and every one of you was specifically created by God. You know, we like to say that um, that third child or that fourth child was the child unexpected. Yeah, it was unexpected to you, but it wasn't unexpected to God. We like to say that child was a mistake. It may have been a mistake to you, but it was no mistake to God. Because we are who we are in God, none of us are a mistake, an oops, an accident, a bad result, or even a good result of a bad situation. God created you specifically and uniquely for a purpose. It's important that we understand that. Because understanding that, whatever the basic substances are that make up human life, whatever those raw forces and laws that cause human life, they were all created and put into operation by God. God and God alone, by his omnipotent power, by his word, was life created. When we deny this understanding, we are denying the relational connection between man and God. When we, de- when we deny or pretend to believe that we are disconnected from our creator because he's not our creator. We make it impossible to comprehend who we truly are. I, I just don't have the time today. Our purpose for existence, the purpose for our relationship, the purpose for our love. There's so much that I need to impart into your being. But if you can just grapple with what I've loosed into your mentality today. If you can just begin to fathom the change in your nature. If you can grapple with that. Then you can begin to live out that change. If my nature is changed, then the very things, if my nature determines my being, then my being expresses different things because the knowledge has changed in my mind. I'm thinking new. What does the Bible tell us? Renew your mind. You have to think differently about yourself. You have to believe it before anybody else is going to believe it. You have to accept it before anybody else will accept it. As a matter of fact, it doesn't even matter what anyone else thinks about you. The only thing that matters is what you think about yourself. 
That's the only thing that matters. There are going to be people that just don't like me, and that's fine. But that does not change who I am. There's some folk that don't like when I get emotional. There's some folk don't like when I raise my voice. There's some folk that don't like when I'm all stirred up for God. But that's okay. Because I know who I am. I understand my being. And truth be told, most of the time, this physical frame cannot contend with the God that is in me. Sometimes I feel like I'm just going to burst at my seams. I can't get it out fast enough. I can't get it out forceful enough. I can't get it out with enough power, with enough knowledge to change the way people think about themselves. You have to believe different about who you are. You will never experience difference in your life if you don't think differently about yourself. I'll leave you with this. Now, not every woman is beautiful to me. Not every woman is beautiful to me. That doesn't mean that not every woman is beautiful. Have you ever seen a woman, though, that you didn't think was beautiful, but somehow that didn't change the way they thought about themselves. And they, they, they walked like they was beautiful. They, they, they talked, they, you thought they was as ugly as the ugly ducklings. But they didn't think that about themselves. You know, I, I've been quick to say spandex ain't for everybody. But not everybody believes that. I, I'm, I'm trying to bring it down to a level where you can understand what I'm saying. Be, be, because they, they thought, they, they, they believed, because they, 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 they saw some beauty in it because they understood who they were. You might not have thought they looked good, but honey, you can't tell me. I'm going to get saved like y'all one day. To thine own self be true. To thine own self be true. But you cannot be true to your own self if you don't know who you are. You got to know who you are. 
My past is not an indicator of who I am. My past is not an indicator of who I am. The word of God has declared who I am. Because of the confession of my faith, who I was is no longer. And I am. I am. God bless you.